Welcome to Health Naturally on 2NUR FM. Greg Richard joined, as per usual, by Dennis Stewart. Great to see you back with us, Dennis. Thank you, Greg. Very nice to be with you again. I oh. must say your T-shirt looks very, very nice. And oh, thanks. Very good, yeah. It suits you. A little bit musical? Yes. <laughs> 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 I could elaborate, but yes, very, very good on you. Now, last week we were talking about tomatoes and lycopene. 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 You're getting close. Close. I think lycopene is something else. (laughs) (laughs) Completely different altogether. Look, we were talking about it, and I said last week that it has raised considerable interest uh, as far as uh, feedback is concerned with many uh, patients and people contacting my rooms and asking for more information about it, particularly men. Mm -hmm. And so today what I want to do is to... Um, hopefully draw our discussion on lycopene to an end by looking at the way in which particularly it's relative potentially useful for working against prostate cancer and even perhaps helping in the treatment of prostate cancer. And as we're talking about lycopene today... Yeah, look, it's uh, worthwhile just going over that for listeners because uh, I've concluded um, and... Um, I've been doing a lot more study on it than I've ever done before, and I've always known how important it is as a constituent in, in, in a bracket of foods, particularly spearheaded by the tomato. Um, but lycopene, in my mind, is an underrated, still underrated constituent both in foods and these days as a concentrated extract or a supplement in the maintenance of health and certainly uh, as a useful device based on the literature and some of the clinical evidence to work against, um, particularly conditions such as cancer. Mm -hmm. We did speak weeks ago, you might recollect, of also the role of lycopene in managing uh, some levels of blood pressure. And we saw how the uh, Israelis, particularly from one of the universities there, some time ago, demonstrated that a clinical dose of lycopene in an encapsulated or tableted form, usually on the basis of 15 milligrams of it a day, uh, showed a useful reduction in blood pressure that was put forward as being potentially beneficial for those people who were, if you like, pre-hypertensive patients, that is, borderline um, blood pressure patients, or those who were, in fact, being treated by the good doctors with blood pressure medication and where the treatment was needing to be upgraded by the addition of other blood pressure medications, the contention from the work done uh, in Israel was that um, lycopene uh, at about 15 milligrams a day regularly taken could be useful to lessen the need for stronger or more blood pressure medications to be offered to a patient who had outstripped the benefit of the original medication. And I, I, I see that as being something that is very, very, very valuable. And to, go and, uh, to reiterate to listeners who have rung in about this, this is not to say that lycopene, even at 15 milligrams of it per day, is something that should be just done by the individual without being monitored uh, by, by our good doctors. We're not encouraging that. What we are saying is that in helping to maintain health and helping to work against something like blood pressure, 
there is evidence and strong evidence to suggest that it is a useful device when properly used and properly monitored for working against the elevation of blood pressure. I encourage it as something to be discussed medically and certainly amongst my naturopathic colleagues. But today we're getting back to what we have been leading upwards to have a look at, and that is the role of lycopene in the management, particularly of prostate and the prostate gland. But before we go into that, let me just remind listeners that lycopene is what's called a carotenoid. That is, it is a chemical constituent found in many foods, but best represented in one of the most common foods that we eat regularly, and that is the tomato. Mm -hmm. It's very concentrated in that. But I have emphasised over a couple of sessions that in order to get the best out of the food tomato, and we regularly eat it, particularly over summer, the best way to get the food out of it or to get the nutrition out of it, particularly the lycopene out of it, is not so much to use it as a salad, a vegetable, useful as it might be, but rather to take on board the science associated with the extraction of this constituent, and that is the best use that one can put uh, to the tomato is to cook the tomato and do it as the Mediterraneans do, and that is fry it in olive oil. Mm -hmm. So fried tomato, and I love it and yep. eat a lot of it, uh, fried tomato, particularly when it's fried in olive oil, although other fats will do the job just as well, but the Mediterranean style of using olive oil as the base in which to fry tomato, that gives you a very, very strong extraction of lycopene. And if one were to regularly uh, feed on lycopene, and if someone is working, for instance, against um, blood pressure or uh, working against prostate problems, when we talk about regularly using it, ideally that should be using a tomato or a tomato concentrate almost on a daily basis. And this is why uh, I'm suggesting that uh, patients who uh, want to get the benefit from lycopene for a particular condition, uh, they should perhaps uh, think about using the easily procured uh, supplement of lycopene, which is very economical, mm -hmm. uh, and take what the dose is usually in the supplement, and that is about 15 milligrams daily. So um, if you want to continue using the food, that's fine. If you have no clinical problem, that's mm -hmm. ideal. But even there, if you are a male and wanting to take on board the potential of lycopene and the tomato, uh, the bearer of it, to help fight against the assertion of prostate uh, problems, particularly prostate cancer, well then the use of the lycopene on a daily basis, the regular ingestion of concentrates of any form of tomato is almost mandatory to get the benefits out of it. So it's not just something that one takes occasionally. If one is working to work against uh, the, a problem, uh, such as a mild hypertensive problem, or if one is working against, if you're a male, and this is particularly important for males over 55 years of age, if you are working against the uh, development, uh, the potential development of prostate cancer, controversial as it may sound, and it is controversial for those that are cynical, 
uh, about any uh, offering of benefit from nutrition. Um, if you want to get the, the uh, benefit out of it, it needs to be uh, used regularly, ongoingly, in concentrated forms, or if you're using it in a food form, take it in the way that I've suggest. Uh, cooked tomatoes, ideally cooked in olive oil, gives you a good extraction of the lycopene content, and if taken as a number of feeds over the week, start to put you in the ballpark where you may get the clinical benefits of it. Right, so make sure they're cooked, not raw? Look, you, I, I, don't, don't get me wrong, I enjoy raw tomato. Yep. However, I have one objection. One objection. Yep. And it's a big objection. I object to the cast iron belt that <laughs> surrounds our tomatoes today. In other words, you cut them and you almost need a hacksaw to get through them. They have been horticulturalised, I believe. I'm being a bit over the top here. They have been horticulturalised, I believe, to the extent now where they can easily take the place of a cricket ball or a tennis ball. And so I'm not suggesting that that be something that one starts throwing around, but you know where I'm coming from, and there would be listeners out there, I'm sure, that would agree that the the purchase of tomatoes today from any, any source, I would contend, it's, a, it's an opinion, I've got to say it that way, Greg, <laughs> that is a big, big disappointment. So, so, I'm going to say something here. I'm a great fan to start with for ordinary, old-fashioned tomatoes. I love Oxheart tomatoes. <laughs> and fortunately, uh, there's a provador on Wallenby Road in Cessnock that stores some of the old tomatoes. And I regularly go in there, get a handful of them. They cost a bit more, but I could chew them. I don't have to throw them against a brick wall. And they're the ones that, because of their colour and because of their originality, I contend they would have the most significant level of, of lycopene in them. Now, my cynics and uh, critics out there will be laughing their head off saying, where's he going now? He's been speaking about blood pressure, prostate cancer and cricket balls. Well, <laughs> all I'm saying is any tomato, even the ones that are like cricket balls, if they are red raw, that gives you an indication of a high content of lycopene. Lycopene evidence itself, evidences itself uh, by the strong red colour in in the fruit or vegetable. Some people refer to it as a vegetable. And we've got Peter from Fishing Points, and he wants to know if tomato sauce has the same amount of lycopene as just normal tomatoes do. Peter? Yeah, Dennis, that's uh, my question. Yes, Peter, and look, I'm, I'm glad to say, I'm glad to say that uh, tomato, a uh, tomato sauce, is one of the highest bearers or containers of lycopene. The, uh, in the book entitled Foods That Fight Cancer, which I've mentioned on this program frequently, a book uh, written by two uh, great clinicians working in Quebec in cancer, um, how can I call it, cancer investigation. In their book, Foods That Fight Cancer, Bellevue and Gingras, the two writers, have a table in that book that I frequently uh, uh, refresh myself by looking at. There is a table in that book in the section dealing with tomatoes. I'll mention the book again because it's a great book for those that are looking uh, for something that is sensible, me medically based, easy to read, and gives some good hints about foods generally and particular foods 
that help resist cancer. And in that book, tomatoes uh, are given a big, big push. And there is a little table there that talks about the way in which lycopene is best represented. Now, we know that it's in the ordinary tomato, but one has to use a lot of tomatoes and make sure they're cooked properly in order to get the benefit. Some have suggested something like, if you want to get a maximum benefit from from, from lycopene from the tomato, you should have about three or four tomatoes daily cooked in the way that I've said. Ah, but what the two writers that I'm talking about point out is that using various readily available concentrates that you can get of excellent and a better rendition or presence of lycopene than in the ordinary tomato. And tomato sauce, believe it or not, believe it or not, is one of the richest and best sources of lycopene. And if you, uh, for those out there that are laughing their heads off, particularly those sitting as white coats in laboratories doing food science or something, if you were to look at the information available and if you were to, were to read that book, and I guarantee there aren't too many that have read it in those positions, I wish they would, um, they would find that tomato sauce, tomato paste, and particularly those forms of tomato sauces that are used in, uh, in, in the various um, sp- spaghetti dishes. So whilst I'm a great fan of tomatoes, you can get a very, very good rendition of lycopene in tomato, in tomato sauce, in tomato pastes, and other easily available substances that one can use in cooking. So if you're using a tomato sauce, uh, Peter, as, as I like, I make no bones about that, although I ate more of it as a kid than what I eat now. But if you're using tomato sauce, you're doing something, in my opinion, based on what I've read, in a good way to support your prostate in resisting, perhaps, the onset of prostate cancer. Well done, Peter. Well, I hope my wife's listening. She probably uh, is, although she hasn't got a prostate gland. She might uh, be of great support for your going to the supermarket more regularly and purchasing bigger quantities of tomato sauce. Mate, I buy, I buy the bucket full now. Um, <laughs> and I have tomato sauce on everything except me old beer. Oh, mate. Well, um, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of uh, tomato products and tomato sauce and tomato paste. Uh, and I, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, like you, I don't have it on my beer. Yes, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it doesn't need it. If you drink, if you drink old beer, you're drinking mother's. Oh, beer. mate! Oh, mate! I, 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 I live in the in the Hunter Valley where it's pretty popular, but um, I'm not an old beer fan. I've moved more towards European beers, but never mind. We won't get into that debate, <laughs> Peter. Nah, nah, not worth talking about. That's fine. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you, thank Peter. You. Good All on right. you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks, Peter. Buy tomato sauce. You don't mean like the ones you get in the bottle that you squeeze on your pies. Yeah. Really? Absolutely. All right. We've got Wendy now. And from... I've, got, I've got evidence to say it. <laughs> okay. We've got Wendy from Brankston, and she's got a question about osteoarthritis. Hello, Wendy. Uh-huh. Hi, Dennis. Um, I'm wondering about the use of turmeric. Yeah. Is it um, how is it best to take it? Like, is it tablet or powder or the actual vegetable? Okay. okay. Um, that's and a, when? That's a very good question, uh, Wendy. I'll be, before I talk directly about that, 
let me just say that, that I consider turmeric uh, as being one of the most useful spices or foods to help manage many conditions and also, also, based on the literature that I've read and lectured from for many years, one of the best foods to resist some of the nasty pathologies that affect the large bowel or the colon. By that I mean there's a significant documentation, particularly in references that I've mentioned today by uh, Bellevue and Gingras, Foods That Fight Cancer, great book. Uh, I have no, by the way, listeners, I have no financial interest in it, but it is a great book. In that book, uh, turmeric is put forward as being perhaps the explanation as to why countries in South Asia, such as India in particularly, or particularly, are very, very way down as far as uh, cancer of the bowel is concerned. Uh, and they put it down to the fact that in countries like India, where curry is eaten uh, virtually every day, uh, and I love curries, by the way, um, the likelihood or the incidence of bowel cancer is very, very low in comparison to the incidence of bowel cancer in Western countries. So if you are a fan of, of turmeric, it's got a lot going for it, particularly as a food to help resist some bowel pathologies. Your question on uh, can it be used uh, in treating osteoarthritis uh, leads us to say that the most reliable and easily taken form of, of, uh, of turmeric to address osteoarthritis is in one of its constituents known as curcumin. Now, I said earlier with reference to um, to tomato that it had a constituent in it known as lycopene, which explains some of its therapeutic values. When we look at turmeric, it, like many foods, is comprised of many constituents and many chemicals. See, as I, as I keep saying on this program, food is not something that's just eaten for the sake of eating. Going right back to the beginning of our civilization, to the uh, back to Western civilization, the the great Greek Greek um, writer and practitioner Hippocrates made that statement that food's your best medicine, and so it is. Now, in um, in turmeric, curcumin is one of the constituents that is associated with the reduction in inflammation, uh, and therefore, uh, whilst osteoarthritis is perhaps not as inflammatory as, say, rheumatoid arthritis, it does have a degree of discomfort and inflammation. And in that context, the use of turmeric in, in a curcumin form is perhaps a more reliable uh, way of getting a benefit. Now, that doesn't mean to say that one can't get a benefit from using turmeric, uh, the food, uh, in, in, uh, on its own, rather than see it being used in the form of turmeric. What you have to realise, however, is that if you were to use uh, turmeric, you would have to use a significant amount of it in order to get the content of curcumin. Now, that's possible. I have a letter in my desk somewhere. Uh, I say somewhere because my desk is like what you wouldn't believe. Uh, but uh, a, an elderly gentleman wrote in saying that using a, a low dose of uh, five grams of just straight out turmeric a day had resolved uh, the discomfort 
that he was experiencing and had experienced associated with his osteoarthritis. So it depends on which way you want to go. If you want to use it just as a straight-out food or spice, that's the most economical way, of course, and the way in which most people that use turmeric around the world use it. Well, if you want to go down that pathway, yes, it can be useful in helping some of the symptoms of osteoarthritis, albeit you would have to take a fair whack of it, say five grams a heap teaspoonful across the day. If you were in in significant discomfort, it might be wise to invest in a curcumin supplement. They're readily available, not that expensive, albeit, albeit, in what for whatever form you take, whether it be the food such as turmeric or its isolate such as curcumin, you must ensure that the product also is accompanied by something like black pepper, which uh, oh. which enables the uh, the the herb or the constituent curcumin to be liberated and to have its useful uh, analgesic and anti-inflammatory effect. Okay, is there an alternative to black pepper? Uh, yes, in fact, um, black pepper only functions because, uh, as an enzyme, it helps break down or liberate the constituents. But some products, uh, for instance, I developed a product called Glucosaplex for osteoarthritis, and uh, in that I put the pineapple enzyme bromelain. Mm-hmm. Bromelain is contained in 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 pineapple, and again. Uh, it explains why when pineapple is taken uh, regularly, one uh, notices a benefit um, in inflammatory conditions and one uh, can use it um, as, a, as, a, as a medicinal agent. However, the bromelain is usually isolated from the uh, pineapple and becomes a constituent in many products as what's called a synergist, something that is worked with or promotes the benefit of the substance with which it's combined. So you get bromelain fairly easily, and you can use that with uh, turmeric or curcumin. Thank you very much. Okay, Wendy, thank you for ringing. I appreciate it. So we've got Dan from Newcastle, and he's got a question about gouts. Afternoon, Dan. Good afternoon, guys. Um, Dennis, my name's Ben Hall. Um, I'm ringing up because I had gout two weeks ago, and I was just wondering if you have any um, information on what I could do to make it um, dis- not disappear, but just to make it um, so it's not so, so it's not so so sore. Sorry. Okay. Um, was this your first episode of it? No, this is my second episode of it. Um, and how, how frequently uh, have the episodes occurred? Only, um, only two weeks ago was the second round. A few months, I think it was early last year, I got the first round. And that's because of tomato sauce and seafood and everything else that I like, which is, yeah. which is, which is you know, seafood, tomato sauce, yeah. uh, steaks and all the rest of it. But, okay. um Okay, look, what what I would say is that you can go to the net, net and you'll find that I'm, I'm spot on with this. Uh, the, what you should be doing, what you should be doing is on all, almost on a daily basis, making sure that you're using cherry in some particular form, cherry juice or, or cherry extract. I, I use a, pra- a product in practice called Gout Fighter. It's not my product. I'm not pushing my product, but that's the name of the product, which is usually available in 
most health food stores, but I stock it because that is an encapsulated product that has uh, two doses connected with it, a maintenance dose, which usually is something like one capsule daily or a treatment dose, which is a couple of capsules taken until the episode subsides. Now, cherry, you will find, has a reputation that spreads across a lot, a lot of literature, which has uh, proven the potential benefit of seeing this food um, used on its own, uh, or as in the case of the product that I've mentioned, accompanied by a, a celery seed extract. But uh, cutting, what, cutting short what I'm saying, because we're starting to run a bit short, if you're wanting something to use on a daily basis that's safe and economical, and I say economical, uh, go preferably to your health food store and get hold of a, a, um, a juice preparation, a celery juice or a celery concentrate, or hold, get hold of a, a, um, a, a cherry product that accompanies it. Use that combination if you can. Celery is excellent, as I've just intimated, but in conjunction with the leading remedy, the leading remedy, cherry, cherry juice, cherry concentrate, or even eating regularly cherries, although they're difficult to get. Again here, like the tomato is best represented by lycopene, so cherry is best represented by an extract of it, which contains the significant level of chemistry that's required to provide this ongoing benefit against the inflammatory activity of gout. I've been hurried a little bit there, but you, you get onto the, the net yourself, punch in, uh, cherry, cherry products and gout, and you'll find the information there to support what I have said. You start taking a product like what I've mentioned, and you'll, uh, you'll bless me because many people uh, have done that and done well. And I have treated a gentleman who listens to this program whose trip to Indonesia was saved. He was able to do it as a result of going on to the concentrate of cherry when everything, and I say everything, and that's a big call, when everything from steroids right through to, uh, to culture scene, etc., made little impact on his condition, which was critical, which would have kept him off the plane. He thinks I'm the next best thing to slice bread because his trip to Indonesia went place, whereas previously, with, with his foot the way it was, he'd have been lucky to get to the stairs, let alone in the plane. You get on to cherry and cherry products. Thank you very much indeed, gentlemen. Thank you again for your time, Dennis. Thank okay, you. mate. Good on you. Time for one more call. We've got Kelsey from Shortland, and she's got some recommendation to do with hair loss. Hello, Kelsey. Yes, how are you going? I'm very well. Hello. And you have a problem, um, do you? I do. My yes. mum recommended for me to call you. Oh, um, I see. Good old mums. I know. She's the best. <laughs> All mums are the best. <laughs> Treasure them. <laughs> Treasure them. Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, so before before falling pregnant with my mm. second child, I was experiencing some hair loss, yes. and I went to the GP, and they did all you know the normal blood mm. tests, the thing else you could test for, and everything pretty much came back normal. Uh, so I wasn't really sure what happened. And then I fell pregnant with my daughter yes. and then my hair like obviously grew and yes. was really thick and long, didn't have any dramas. 
But now my daughter is nearly two and I'm still experiencing like hair loss, especially when I like wash my hair. Like the amount of hair that comes out is like really, really scary. Sure. Um, yeah. Look, I'll, I'll be quick because time's getting away on us. Um, yeah. I'm going to ask, I hope it's not too personal, but is, is your period back to normal? Yeah. Okay. Um, have you ever suffered anemia? Um, no, but I do have low iron. Okay. This is one of the things I think you should perhaps address. Um, I, I, over my many years in practice, it's something that I've noticed with, with many young women, particularly those that are raising young families, that uh, the dip in their iron level can be sometimes behind uh, something as uh, like what you're experiencing. So I, I would be keen for for you to look at the uh, possibility of taking an iron supplement and getting your iron level raised a bit as a starting base. I think that's... Because I do take multifer at the moment. Okay, that, uh, that, that's good. That's good. The other thing that I, I would say is uh, ensure that your protein level in your diet is good. Um, yep. Are you vegan, vegetarian, fruitarian, or uh, just normal? No, I, I'm I'm not really any of them things, but I don't really like meat necessarily. But I'll eat like chicken and fish and salmon and stuff okay. like that. Because but... because you've got to keep your protein. In my opinion, you have to keep your protein level pretty high, particularly when you're raising a young family. Um, the main nutrient that's looked at these days is uh, silica. That is a supplement that is considered to be very useful in the um, support of the hair and hair growth. And I have found uh, a range of products known as celloids. I'll spell it for you. C-E-L-L-O-I-D-S, celloids. Now, they are a range of mineral products produced by Blackmores. They're an old-fashioned remedy, uh, and they're not that common these days, although practitioners such as myself, will stock the celloids. And silica is one of the celloids that has given me the best results, usually in conjunction with an amino acid called tyrosine. Now, what I suggest is if that's been too fast for you, ring my rooms and my receptionist and staff there will uh, reiterate to you that information on the celloids and also tyrosine and spend a bit of time with you on the phone. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Okay. All the best with it. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Bye. Kelsey. Well, we've really run out of time at oh, the end, Dennis, but there's something you uh, wanted to mention. What to do, dear, dear. You're probably going to have to get to it next week. Oh, but... Well, look, it's an exciting, um, exciting recommendation coming from scientific literature yep. from the journal entitled Prostate International about a, an Asian remedy that is recommended to be used in conjunction with mainstream medical treatment for prostate cancer with the ability to promote potentially a better outcome from the mainstream treatment. I want to mention that because there are many men listening who are probably on treatment from their good doctors for prostate. The medication or the supplement I'm going to mention Mm -hmm. next week is recommended to be used in conjunction with it to get a better outcome. Rightio, so... Mm. How about it. that? And, no, and there's no, nice no mention there of tomato week. sauce. What have no. we missed? Are you going are, to have a sh- feed of it? Are you sure you mean like the tomato sauce you get in the bottles you have in pies? That's fine. Yeah, look at you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tomato, 
we could talk about various <laughs> qualities of it and brands and no, but straight out tomato sauce or as the Americans call it ketchup. 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 Uh, tomato paste is one of the highest levels of it. Yep. Because all they do is concentrate the tomato and, and concentrating it, you're getting the maximum lycopene. So why would you sit down to tomato every day for <laughs> prostate <laughs> cancer when you can take something with tomato sauce on it? We'll I'm tom- being glib <laughs> there. I'm being glib. <laughs> Dennis Stewart, thank you very much. Catch okay. you again next week. Right out. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>